You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a full-time nostalgia consumer, I guess. I don't even know. Like, I fiend it. I fiend nostalgia. And those member berries, man. Yeah. Those member berries got him. Koji's gone on those member berries. And uh, part-time... Uh, I don't know. Part-time, soon-to-be classic car owner. <laughs> I think that'll be full-time, though, won't it? Yeah, well, once I get that job. Okay, uh, Next, re- as of next recording, maybe it'll be full-time. One can only hope. Or maybe we'll just do it on the way up there. And with me, as always, is my good friend and... Uh, Inspiration of the youth, Andrew Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. You and your modal chairs or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of youth, though. The kids know, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. Speaking of youth, this they is a good segue up. because this is our high school episode. All high school everything. And by that, I mean the hidden gem for this week is my high school is sinking into the sea. Or my high school is slowly sinking into the sea. Mm-hmm. And the you gotta love it is my entire high school is oh, right. into this. Uh and the you gotta love it is a high school favorite of mine or a band that was a high school favorite of mine, uh, known as Dashboard Confessional. Their latest foray into uh the musical world. Do you know what the album's called? No. <laughs> the singles We Fight, I think. I don't know. I'll look it up right now. But um Anyway, we are starting with the hidden gem anyway, so we can we can get back to that. But uh, yeah, my entire high school is slowly sinking into the sea or sinking into the sea. This movie is basically, uh, well, to give some background, it is an animated film, an original animated feature film, I think put out by Fantagraphics, I think. I mean, I'm sure there's other people that co-produced or something like that, but um, uh yeah, it's kind of hard to... Uh, it, it's bizarrely animated, which is interesting. It stars... There's a lot of stars in it, or that voice in it, right? So we got Lena Dunham, Jason Schwartzman, Susan Sarandon, Maya Rudolph, Reggie Watts. Um, yeah. What Can you summarize this Dash movie? Shaw. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's basically what would happen if you put... Uh, Wes Anderson, largely because of Jason Schwartzman, but also because of the pace of the dialogue, in a blender with, um, in if if you're an animator and you've ever been to the Ottawa Animation Festival or just independent animation, well, okay, I got it. National Film Board plus Wes Anderson, yeah, plus maybe a more violent, um, dark comedy like say Operation Endgame. Uh, or something of that nature, and you and you mix them all together. 
put it put if you mix a high school movie in there as well mm-hmm. maybe like a clone high tv type tv show but it's it's it is really hard to pin down which is what made it i think so enjoyable it was um it's i mean i had a blast watching it and the nice thing about it is that i feel like the animation is very limited in parts uh, it's very innovative and it's and, and very abstract as well like it's not ever really with the exception of some sequences at the beginning um the backgrounds there's a lot of there's there's an epilepsy warning at the beginning of the movie oh yeah like it's basically yeah. like uh beyond dull care uh short film if you've never seen it look it up there's like a lot of like crazy abstract you know color washes uh moving video footage in the background layered with uh, the characters are all hand-drawn and rendered out but the environments are very much you know they kind of fade in and out of the level of detail yeah yeah um i i really enjoy the scenes where it's like uh the either running down a hallway and then all yeah. of a sudden it like it's just like the silhouettes yeah and and then it, like the crazy trippy background i don't know i think they did a really it's interesting at first i i didn't think i was gonna like it but same as it went on i i did end up liking it for yeah, sure I'm, I'm generally a stickler for pretty sophisticated animation you know so i frequently find it kind of difficult to get into things that are a little bit more um uh what's the word i'm looking for not simple but um you know i guess a little bit more minimalist or a little rougher around the edges um you know it's it's not really (laughs) something that i go to my way to watch but i'm really glad that that we did I don't know who chose this, but it was really good. Yeah. The premise of the movie is that there are two high school uh, juniors. Are they sophomores? Uh, juniors? I think they're juniors. No, Third sophomore, year. sophomore, second year. No, they're second year? Yeah. They um, they work for the high school paper, and they're sort of a, you know, it's a coming-of-age story where they're kind of on the outs with the rest of the school like they're not the cool kids and one of them kind of falls in love with the editor of the newspaper and so the the friend that's not in love feels kind of you know abandoned abandoned you know and so he puts he spreads a rumor that his friend who's in this relationship but uh has erectile dysfunction right um he's also like it's, it's jason like a, schwartzman and he's very jason schwartzman oh yeah couldn't be more so but it's it's perfect and then essentially what happens is it turns out their high school is in california it's built on a coastal fault line yeah um and they frequently experience earthquakes and he discovers that you know shit isn't up to code and that the next earthquake could send the school into the ocean but nobody will listen to him because it's a boy who cried wolf situation and he has been kind of ostracized for spreading this rumor about the erectile dysfunction. And then, of course, the school falls into the sea and it turns into this very dark comedy uh, survival story where it's literally like, you know, students are being eaten by sharks and like being crushed and killed horribly by this like high school that's adrift on a chunk of land and slowly sinking into the sea and, and like turning over so yeah that, it's that, like, like capsizing upside down and um and they form this kind of ragtag bunch the lunch lady voiced by susan sarandon uh jason schwartzman's character his friend the editor um that his friend is in love with 
Um, there's like a popular girl. There's like a bully. You know, the all principal. of the all of the, the principal who's who, got who an eye patch. Eye, yeah. they, they, it's like all of the sort of high school tropes. But I think the one thing that even though this is an animated movie and animation is very much a visual medium, mm-hmm. I think the selling point for me about this movie is that it. I enjoyed it so much that I didn't have to be watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, mean, I was I was in the studio when I started it and I could just listen to it and find it hilarious as I was drawing, you know? Like yeah. it was just like I maybe that's that's a testament to the writing. I think um, I think the visuals definitely add like an interesting layer, but it is uh because of how crazy they are or like hmm. unorthodox they are, I think that like it it was constructed in such a way that yeah, the the visuals don't sound is the sound effects even oh, like the sound editing is very potent as well right but yeah it's hilarious uh it's really funny um, yeah it's definitely a good i movie. i i recommend it if especially if, particularly if you're somebody that enjoys wes anderson type humor like if you've seen Min- fantastic mr fox and you like that pardon me you like that movie mm-hmm. i feel as though you would love this movie yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you like Jason Schwartzman, the tone is set right off the bat when there's a tremor in the high school and like a piece of the ceiling falls out and hits some guy in the head and his head just starts gushing blood. And Jason Schwartzman's response to that is just to stop what he's saying to just go, ugh, gross. Yeah. And as increasingly violent things happen, the characters' reactions to it are almost like. They get more and more dead to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a part where one of the cheerleaders or gymnastics team is like afraid to jump across this open water to them because there's a bunch of sharks that are like high on pills from the nurse's office or something like that. And Jason Schwartzman is just basically like, jump, I'll catch you. Like I'm buff enough. Like I'm strong enough to catch you. And she's like, okay. And then she jumps, doesn't make it at all, falls in the water, immediately gets torn apart by sharks. And they're just like, huh. (laughs) <laughs> and, it's like and they're definitely more concerned with their own social sort of issues oh, than they yeah. are what's going on. Like the they'll run into bullies or like um the cool kid at school. Yeah. And just be like, that guy was a jerk. <laughs> you know, and like start talking about <laughs> yeah, not the situation stuff. at hand. Yeah. yeah. Yo, I I wrote it's like an episode of community, plus this is the end, plus Operation Endgame, but like through the through the lens of a Wes Anderson movie. That sounds about right. Yeah. There's a lot of community esque sort of community in high school yeah also what what i enjoyed about this movie is it's not long no it's like a hundred yeah it's a good time seven minutes or something maybe even less another thing that i liked about it that i just saw in my notes was that um the limited animation style and the use of dialogue and sound i found forced more use of imagination Mm -hmm. because i actually noticed myself envisioning based on like okay i know they're in a hallway or like the scene where for example the bus that's like on its end yeah and the and the principal has to climb up the bus to like connect the power cord so they can fucking get out yeah other than the school bus the everything is insane at that point right it's just color and like all this crazy shit but the sound effects combined with the dialogue i found myself envision like really fleshing it out because yeah it's something I think people don't think about a lot, or maybe people that listen to audiobooks do. I haven't really ever been able to get in audiobooks, but like when you see something that's hyper detailed, you know, like basically any Disney animated movie, any any mainstream CG movie, everything is so beautifully and 
and uh, and rendered in, is so beautifully rendered and rendered in such detail that it kind of does most of the legwork for you. You know, like a lot of the heavy lifting is done. You don't need to imagine what this space station might look like because it's right there in front of you. But right. this is kind of like it gives you just enough of an idea to be like, oh, okay, I'm kind of like filling in the rest of the details, which I thought was a really interesting. I can't say that I've watched many movies that have forced that kind of um, relationship with the audience. I mean, right. I, I'm yeah, speaking yeah. for myself. I don't know if, if you felt that way or anybody else that watches movie felt that way, but no, I, I agree. Cause it, um, uh, it's, it almost to me felt like a motion comic. If you've ever watched one of those, yeah. you know, where it's just like, which uh, is very fitting. Yeah. As limited a, a, mo- a movement as you need to convey whatever's happening. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time also just kind of listening. Like I was watching, but I was like in my head as opposed to like, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Like when you're watching Coco or something and there's all these, cause it's also Coco is a very colorful movie as well, but you know, it's not just like swirly background. It's background there for you. It's so detailed. Yeah. Ever, it's, it's rich in a way that's like, would require multiple viewings but like to really it's just immersive in a different way this is this is immersive in the way that it um i think relies on you to kind of fill in some of the blanks which i think is good because it keeps you invested in the movie yeah whereas a movie like coco is a is gorgeous and an amazing movie but it kind of like you're along for this ride where you can kind of not turn off that's not the right term but like much like a ride at say Disney world, you kind of, you just sit in and strap in and you just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. 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 It's really uh, good though. But yeah, especially what I would say is if you were going to watch this movie, give it a chance. Yeah. Because my first reaction was like, Oh, I'm not going to like this. Mm-hmm. And then, then, you know, after a couple of minutes in, I was, I was into it. Yeah. So definitely, uh, yeah, give it a, a watch. It's hard to like really describe, um, what it is about this movie that's so, you know, something, but like it is, it's it, unique. It's truly a hidden gem. It's yeah, truly it's a hidden great. gem. Uh, do you have, like, do you have any suggestions for alternative sort of animated things that aren't Coco? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that aren't Pixar, yeah. Disney, or whatever that you would, and not anime that you would um, put in like a similar category. You know, for me, like maybe like Aeon Flux or something. I talk about that all the time. But like there's been a lot that I think have gotten a lot of attention for the topics they've covered and sort of on the awards circuit, like Waltz for Bashir, I think was, uh, I think, Tomer Hanukkah and Asaf. I remember seeing that it had a very different approach, different style and a pretty impactful. So I recall um, Persepolis. Yeah. Adapted from also from a comic. A lot of them seem to be sort of adapted from comics are done by comic writers i think that are interested in the medium of animation but uh are not interested in producing it in a style that looks like everything else you know like the sort of status quo of what 2d animation or 3d animation looks like Mm -hmm. um there's there's definitely more i'm kind of uh it's hard i I, i'm i'm hard i'm definitely hard pressed to think of what they are yeah it's kind of a a tough market to crack if you i think the problem is that the cost of producing a feature animated film 
for most creators is kind of prohibitive, you know, like which forces them to think of different ways to produce the actual animation. But like even still, it's really hard to like, get attention. How for the often movie. do these movies, these kinds of movies come out? Or is, maybe uh, like Sylvain Chomet's movies were really good. Triple to Belleville, The Illusionist. Those, I mean, again, it's not really the same thing as my entire high school sinking to the sea, but they're mm-hmm. definitely alternatives to the uh, the usual mainstream. And even uh, the breadwinner this year, um, the Canadian animated film. I haven't actually seen it yet, but it's you know it was nominated for best animated film at the Academy Awards, and it's. I definitely haven't seen it. It's up for a lot of. Uh, we should watch it. It's up for a lot of um, Canadian Screen Awards, I think. Cool. Whatever the yeah. Anyway, uh, there's definitely they're definitely out there. What I would recommend because it almost it it kind of exceeds anime in my head, or or rather, I don't necessarily think of it this way. It'd be like this the the um, sort of Sylvain Chomet like the Chomet of like Asia is uh, Studio Four C has produced a lot of amazing amazing films that are like so great like mind game is a great example i have no idea what that is it's fucking incredible uh you have to watch it in fact you need to look it up uh as soon as we finish this episode yeah yeah mind game is great um they did a series i guess they're more short films but like genius party uh, there's like an anthology I, i don't know there's there's a lot out there but um I can honestly say I haven't really watched anything in a while, so the question kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> right. I'm sure no, I could really I. think of some good stuff if I no. had given it thought before we sat down. I'm I'm sure that I couldn't without Google. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's move on to our You Gotta Love It. Okay. Which is the... Crooked Shadows. Yeah, the... Uh, newest dashboard confessional album. What is it? Album eight, a f- full Perfect length eight or something like that. I'm not sure because he's also he also has a uh, uh, twin forks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how many uh, releases there are, but yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, let me just say this. I thought this album was going to be an excuse for a tour. Like when I saw a couple months ago maybe like five or six months ago at this point now, um, I saw Hawthorne Heights. And Whoa. And they recently released an album. When do I stab myself in the ears? And they were like, okay, we're going to play a new song. And then when they were done, they're like, okay, now for the songs you want to hear. And like, that was it. Like they played that one song and then just were, were like, here's all the th- because my heart is in Ohio. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and here's all the songs that you want to hear right and i thought that that's what this was going to be because like they, did he, they play mostly new songs who, off crooked Shed? who wants that you know but like i just like, i thought this album was going to be fodder for tour right um but they're taking it seriously the question is should we be taking it seriously so what did you think of this record I listened to it and I did not think it was bad. That's it? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I, okay. So I listened to it and uh to me I kind of was biased because before I listened to it in the office Lucas had played it. I didn't hear it when he played it, but he was like I kind of feel like every song is constructed to be a hit single. 
And so that was what I knew going into it. And then when I listened to it, I can kind of see it. Like it, it really, I think part of it is rose-colored lenses because even though I can honestly say that I haven't listened to any of my like dashboard CDs in a long time, yeah, my memory of dashboard is of largely acoustic dashboard confessional songs that sure. are the epitome of what most people consider to be emo music, you know, and, uh, uh you know, was it at the, at the very center of all of any controversy or back and forth between various people about, um, you know, sensitivity versus be, you know, just like, all that shit for years, just remembering that. But but I liked, you know, I liked a lot of the music. And then the full band stuff was mm-hmm. like, you know, there were some big singles there. But that's sort of what I remember. But like the new record, I, it was almost unrecognizable to me. There was like moments where I recognized his voice, but it felt like it did feel to me like every song was taken to a level of, po- a degree of polish, that it was like the things that have changed were clearly catering to maybe the same age group that dashboard was was directed at like a decade or more ago but yeah. like today so and so i don't think that's a bad thing no but it just for me i was like okay well i don't really have I, any problems with this, i would but. agree with that because the musical styling some of the songs have it's like electronic elements and yeah stuff. have trappings of what is popular now yeah uh it is also uh over uh, produced to a very high level. Yeah. There's like a lot Cor- of courses e- are like echo and, and like organ and all this shit strings in the background. Yeah. Um, which is interesting be- yeah, because dashboard was put out full records that were just like him and an acoustic guitar. Yeah. So uh, what did I love about this? Cause I'm supposed to find something to love about it. I love that he is still passionate about making this music Mm -hmm. and to a degree where he it's clear that they're trying to make a record that is relevant right you know that will isn't just relevant from a nostalgia standpoint because like i said at the beginning of this you know it is clearly not a record that is just there like tour fodder so that they can have an excuse to travel around the country and then play all the hits that you know all the kids can sing along to Mm mm-hmm uh, because I did just recently see Dashboard as well. Literally and, less than 24 hours ago. And the <laughs> the people in the crowd, it was a mix. Like, I would have thought they would all be my age, slightly older, slightly younger. But there were some girls standing in front of us that could not have been older than like 20 or 22. Another interesting facet of this, which, I mean, is kind of a dangerous path to go down because I really, it kind of falls into the don't judge a book by its cover kind of situation. But I was just curious when I was listening to this record, I was like, I have this vision of what Chris Caraba looks like, mm-hmm. you know, he looks exactly the same mm. with age wise ma- with some makeup. Yeah. But like hairstyle tattoo, like I just remember him having this like same haircut always. It was like short and like, you know, the like, pompadour. He, yeah, but not like aggressive. Like it was just like yeah. very put together and very much, the opposite of all of the other music I was kind of listening to at that time, which was like very much like the sort of aughts punk, like, you know, like super tatted up fucking, if you didn't have insane, ridiculous quote, air quotes, emo hair, you had like fucking, you know, just like everybody's trying to outdo the fucking craziness of everybody else. And then here was this guy that 
was respected by like all of these groups, yeah. well, most of these groups, and was like just he just looked like a normal guy, right? And he'd wear just like a long sleeve t shirt, you know, on stage, like. A, and so when I saw, I looked up some of their recent press photos, and he had like the sides of his head shaved, like slick back hair, very like um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sort of manicured. Uh. He just looked like it was. I was like, "Wow, he looks really the same. Like he looks like he hasn't aged." But it it going with along with everything else we're saying about the sound of the music, it yeah. looked like it was like, "Oh shit!" He's like, it felt um, like I couldn't help but feel like, "Oh, this is something that a label has had something to do with." You know, like there's somebody that's like, "Hey, I'm not saying that's the case yeah. because he's always struck me as a very." Uh, not headstrong, but somebody who is like very much his own person, despite what people may think about his music. Like right. he, he seems to like exert a lot of control over everything, right down to the the face that he shows the public. But it was just sort of like his photos of him and his band, and I was just like, oh, this could be, like, it makes sense. It makes sense when I listen to the album. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah. But I think and again, that, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think it just comes down to his wanting to remain relevant because i think it, it it would be so it didn't seem desperate to me i think no, no, is no, why no, no. is why it it gets a pass because it doesn't feel like he's trying to relive the glory days it feels no. like he just is still that person and you're just like oh yeah but that yeah that's probably the most interesting thing to me because it would have been so easy to just put out a you know a similar sounding record to the other records and try and pass it off as like you know whatever, like a uh, crystal Pepsi or I don't know, a, a slight twist on, on an old favorite and crystal Pepsi, you know, and, and continue on from there. But instead he was just like, like, I, I think he still seriously wants to make the music. And, and, and for, for that, I, I commend him for, for making this record. But at the same time, like I cannot listen to most of it. Yeah, it's not really where I'm at right now. No, but but I appreciate the attempt. Yeah, because I'll, t- I'll I'll tell you this. I can see people liking that. I'll, okay, sorry, you go first. I'll tell you this. He could have gone one of two ways. Like I said, right? He could have created a, a record that was that like tapped into the nostalgia of the old music, which he didn't do, or created a record that is new music, which he did. Uh, either way, there's a good chance I wasn't going to listen to it, regardless. I like. Right. I'm I'm for a lot of that music. I like what I like and you know if someone new were to be doing that same thing it would be tough for me to like buy into it you know totally. with some notable exceptions interesting thing when Lucas played it he played it for his wife uh Jill a friend of mine as well and he told me that like she was he was just like hey can you guess who this is as, yeah. as somebody that was into Dashboard Confessional in the old days. Mm-hmm. She couldn't figure it out. She couldn't place it. She made a lot of good guesses, I guess. But then when he told her what it was, she was just like, ah, of course. But she likes the record. Right. So, and that, again, that's not a slight against her or her taste or whatever, but like there's clearly, you know, people who are our age that were into Dashboard at the time. And I would n- not go so far as to say it's like, it's only women, but that this new record is filling not a void, but like it's comfortable enough for them to, I think connect to immediately, but it's new enough that it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just like it, it's like, Oh, so, so there's still an audience for it. There's like, clearly there's new fans. I think, you know, when, I, what, 
wondering like, oh yeah, this is what we're, this is what the, you got to love it is for this week. I kind of inwardly groaned because I was like, it probably won't be terrible, but it's not going to be amazing. But I don't know. I think it's, you could probably, if I listened to it a bunch of times, I could probably find a track that I really liked. You know, I like, I just like the, I'll say that I do like the, the first single we fight or whatever, Mm because it just sounds like a dashboard song. Like, can you not like, Roll the mic and I can hear it. Sorry. Um, I just for the sake of our listeners, but sure, sorry, guys. Uh, uh, what was I saying? You're saying that uh, you like the single. Oh, yeah, yeah. We fight because it sounds like you know, whatever, vindicated or um, hands down or something. It's got that same sort of feel. Whereas some of the other ones, like you can tell that are it's heavily being bor- uh, it's borrowing from the music of today. Yeah, and there's like one or two songs where he like screams, at, right? And it sounds more like a fucking like new hardcore or like metalcore band for like a split second. Yeah. Not that he didn't scream before, but when it's over like acoustic guitar or something, you're and his voice breaks, you're yeah. like, that's one thing. But then when it's like amplified, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. closer to further seems forever kind of than. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, now I'm really conscious of how I'm holding the mic. So what's your favorite, uh, like, in the last, let's say, five years, nostalgia act that you've seen, would you say is your, like, your favorite? Or are you most look forward to? Jealous Sound slash Knapsack. Did you see that, though? Yeah. When? Saw both of them at Hard Luck. I saw Jealous Sound tour. I saw Jealous Sound, like, twice, actually. They toured, and then they released... Uh, like this year no not this year you said in the last last five five years years. yeah 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 absolutely and um they released their new record or their last record um i'm drawing a huge blank right now uh with the wolves on the cover of it anyway this was before racket club and then and then knapsack blew my mind even more because i was like oh shit like i I really only got into Knapsack after Jealous Sound and I got into Jealous Sound in like college because a friend was just like, yo, you don't know Jealous Sound? Were you yeah. stupid? And then they quickly became one of my favorite bands and I was like, oh, they'll never see them because they fucking broke up or whatever. But yeah. then they were like, oh, we never actually broke up. We just stopped. We weren't active. Right. And Knapsack toured and played uh, Hard Luck and it was uh, fucking amazing. I would have loved great. to have seen that. I love Knapsack. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I don't know what what I would say mine was i'm trying to remember what nostalgia acts i've seen in a while i mean i will say that when i first early november i saw early november that was pretty good too yeah yeah that would have been a what about movie life you saw movie life right yeah with racket club and um that's got to be up there movie life yeah that was that was definitely up there uh and who 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 else played that show because movie life didn't close it it was racket club movie life and oh it was early november yeah. There you go. Yeah, that was There's a lineup for you. That was pretty good. Uh, I saw Newfound Glory a little while ago and they played like Sticks not Sticks and Stones. The one with all the pictures on the cover. I yeah. think it's just like self-titled maybe. Yeah. Um that was kind of fun. Yeah, you know, it's probably Movie Life if I had to pick yeah. one. I I got super wasted and was telling them how much I love them and how handsome A Sanders was. Uh, it's not really uh a nostalgia thing anymore because they have kind of released new music and have been doing it like yearly but that full when i saw full blast that was pretty good 
That's oh yeah, CGDs. yeah, that's a, um, that's up there for me. And anything Monine, the Monine? Red Tree stuff. Oh yeah, my god, good. there's been a lot of good ones. Okay, one that I never saw them the first time around because I was like eight years old. Uh, I saw The Far Side last summer, mm-hmm. and I was expecting it to not be. I was basically went into it expecting to be let down, and that's not really like a slight against The Far Side, but only two of the original members are actively touring as The Far Side. Yeah, and I was kind of like, you know, my favorite far. Like, I really like The Far Side a lot. And they're one of those bands that I kind of developed an appreciation for more in my teenage years into adulthood than when they were, like, really active because their records came out, I think, Lab Cap in California is, like, 93. And Bizarre Bizarre Ride to The Far Side is, like... They're, like, mid-90s, early 90s. Right. Um, Anyway, saw them at Field Trip... And I don't know, maybe I was just feeling good, but I fucking had a great time. I was like, fuck, man, like for only having two of the original members yeah, and playing the song, they did songs where those members featured heavily. Yeah. Uh, it was great. It was really good. And it really hit that, even though the nostalgia for me doesn't go back to when I was like a little kid, it goes back to when I was like 17 or something or 18. I was just like, fuck, man, this is good. It was, it was great. So that was a good one. I would put that up there. I would say that if you are a fan of, if you're not too curmudgeonly and you're a fan of like old hip hop and you have an opportunity to see The Far Side, even though you're like, oh, it's only like Fat Lip isn't touring with them. It's uh, Booty Brown and I think Imani are the two members that are still uh, still actively representing The Far Side. But it was like, it was sick. It was definitely worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh I guess now's a good time for suggestions if you've got any. I have so many, and I'm I'm gonna write them down because we've got I think we got some episodes. We got content for episodes kind of queued up at this point, yeah, because we kind of missed a couple weeks. But um, this episode, as a departure from everything that we're talking about, I'm gonna recommend a show that's not even a new show. It's an old show. It's older if you live in the UK, but it just has taken me so long to get to it because. As somebody that doesn't normally pirate things, I even tried to download it at one point because I couldn't find a legal way to watch it. Right. And that is Peaky Blinders, which is now four seasons on Netflix. Uh, And I'm kind of kicking myself because I know it's been on Netflix for a little while now that it's taken me this long to get around to it. If you're not familiar with Peaky Blinders, it is basically, it's a... Everything I love about gangster movies and Guy Ritchie, early Guy Ritchie films and, uh, you know, early Tarantino films uh, set in like 19 fucking, I don't know, 1930s, maybe earlier than that, 1920s Birmingham uh, about an Irish gang. (laughs) Okay. Um, And the cast is crazy because like oh i know the cast over the seasons it's basically like a boardwalk or a major it's it's uh, killian murphy's in it tom hardy's in it adrian brody's in it uh sam neill and even all the supporting actors are like staples of not only like british tv and british film but like that genre as well and it's uh it's just like a period piece that's like your favorite gangster show or gangster movies but the production quality is incredibly high. They pulled a board, you know, Boardwalk recreated like the, the Atlantic City boardwalk. Yeah. Like they, and it the, so authentically, same level of attention to detail, but to like, you know, uh, industri- the most industrial 
like Birmingham at the peak of its industrial, just like fucking coal guys shoveling coal, like it's smoggy everywhere. Um, anyway, yeah, and it's about this gang. They're called the Peaky Blinders because they have razor blades in their hats that they use to blind people. That's their preferred method of fighting, but it's... Uh, I got to check that out for sure. It's, man, honestly, like, it's so well-written. It's, I find it to be very... Compa- like, I, as, as people who listen to us and you know, I don't really marathon things, mm-hmm. um, but each season is six episodes. So I watch the first season in, like, two sittings, basically. And it's, yeah, it's great. Um, the acting is great. Everything about it is great. I just really enjoyed it. So I definitely, if you haven't already seen it, you're not late to the party like me. Uh, check out Peaky Blinders. All right, my suggestion for the week. It's kind of a weird one because it's sort of a you gotta love it. But I suggest people see it and then like maybe give me your thoughts on it. But uh, we and we talked about this earlier. The movie Downsizing. Hmm. It's not a zany comedy about people getting shrunk like you would think it was it would be like the way that it was i had it in my mind you know there's a scene in the in the preview where uh, in the commercial where they're like on a plane or a bus or something and like they're they're sitting in these seats and they look across the aisle and there's just these little people in these like shelves sitting in these tiny seats across from them which does happen in the movie but like they're having a conversation with one another and it just kind of feels like it's a movie about an integrated world where some of the population is tiny, mm-hmm. right? Like that's just what the movie feels like. And I mean, it is that, but it's not what you think that's going to be. It's a more serious take on, on that whole thing and more so just the environment and our impact on it mm-hmm. and trying to minimize our impact. Um, I will say that, I feel like it kind of loses its way at one point, but maybe I just didn't really understand what it was trying to convey. And so that's why I want people to watch it and then just, you know, talk to me afterwards and be like, Oh, it was just this or something. Maybe I missed something, but it was interesting. It was compelling enough that I was wondering what was going on. And I will say that it is kind of sad. Yeah. I heard that. Like it's not a cheery comedy. I just have to hammer that home because I watched it like Saturday during the day or something thinking like, oh, you know, this will like pet me up and I'll get started and whatever. And then like get you ready for dashboard, like almost immediately, whatever, 20 minutes in the movie. I'm like, oh, that's horrible. What just happened? This guy is like, oh, God, yeah, you know, and then like it just goes from there and uh, really set the tone. I'll, I'll tell you that it really fucking set the tone, but check it out. Uh, let me know what you think. Email us podcast at buns.com. And uh, one last thing, speaking of nostalgia and all the stuff that we talked about, I was going to mention earlier, but I forgot. Did you see that post on buns? Uh, some girl was having a bad day. And uh, in order to get all of her sadness and rage out, she asked people to uh, post their favorite emo screamo, whatever songs from like 2000 to 2010. And or Oddly enough, I feel like I did see that. And or your best photos from that Whoa. era. Oh, and so well, people peruse. People were like, you, they were like kind of building a like a ramshackle playlist of YouTube videos, but also interspersed in that playlist were shots of people with like you know, as one you say, eye covered by hair, the emo <laughs> haircut and the like white studded belts and uh, all that other shit that kind yeah. of went along with it. It's amazing. 
Sweet. No, yeah. I have to check that out. I just one more thing on that topic. Did you see see that Under Oath released a new song? Yeah, aren't they putting out a new album? Or something? Yeah, they have a new album coming out pretty soon. Yeah, I actually really like the new song. Um, but the whole people stuck in a nostalgic set, like it's already there's been controversy because um, I really like Under Oath. You know, I uh, they, apparently in 2009 they announced that they were no longer a Christian metalcore band. Like oh, they, really? Like it wasn't a big deal to them, but they were just like, it's not that they are not still Christian or some of the band members, you know, don't take their faith seriously or anything like that. They just were like, our music is no longer going to be focused on these ideas. Yeah. So that's almost 10 years ago. They released this song and it has a swear word in it and fucking people lost their shit. The really? internet went nuts and it was just crazy because, uh, Again, I don't want to go on too much because we're kind of wrapping it up, but I just, I found it fascinating that like, you know, when I got into Under Oath, I was like a teenager and then now I'm an adult and, and when you look at their journey, clearly something similar happened. Like their, their, their relationship with their faith like evolved and, you know, they have families and everything was changing and they sort of, their response is like just as shocked kind of as mine. Maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but like I was reading some of the, and people just went off on them. They were just like you've lost your way, like just people losing their minds. And it's just, I don't know, it's interesting having talking about Dashboard and the changes, some of the changes that he's made, like people really, you know, some time timing, like they lock that shit into like a little box and like yeah. they don't ever want it to change. And it's just particularly where emo and screamo and metalcore, all those, all that and music, like people just, you know, that old stuff will never be taken away from you. Just, yeah, you know, just, uh, let it happen yeah anyway uh next week we're gonna what talk about black panther i think right yeah we're gonna do i think a split i think we're actually we mentioned we we're gonna maybe because it's not it doesn't really fit in either category we're gonna do a black panther maybe academy awards episode right well, i mean the academy awards will be a couple weeks old by the time we do it but I, th I feel like it will give people enough time if you haven't seen fucking black panther yet then whatever i'm not even gonna say spoiler alert because we're gonna talk the shit out of that movie yeah spoiler um, alert there's a lot of black people in it yeah. I hope I didn't Spo ruin it. Spoiler alert for our podcast. I think that a lot of people are missing the point of that movie. What? I thought the point is that there's a black superhero and black people in this movie and black, 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 black. And that's it, right? All right. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Did I get it? All right. Thanks.